This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hi, everybody, and welcome to Phillies Backstage. I'm Tom Burgoyne, joined by John Brazier. Hello, John. Tom, how you doing? We have another legend with us this year, this uh, this week, this well, year. You know, it's funny. We uh, our guest Steve Bedrosian, we're going to about to bring on. Uh, we haven't met him, but we right. feel like we know him because Video Dan Stevenson <laughs> has told us so many stories over the years that uh, it'll be like you know, right in our living room. It's true. Yeah, Steve. Some welcome. of them you can't say on the air. <laughs> yeah, exactly. How you doing, Steve? I'm doing well. Good to be here with you guys. Yeah, we uh, between uh, Debbie Nacido, your birthday buddy, she says hello, and then uh, okay, Larry yeah. Anderson. Yeah, well, Larry, of course. Actually, we had Milt, yeah. Milt, Milt Thompson was our guest two weeks ago. Um, okay, but but yeah, both John and I called video today just to say, hey, uh, you got to give us some bedrock stories. And video is, you know, he's still employed by the Phillies for a reason. He he knows, you know, the stories he can tell and and the ones that he can't. He is the man, <laughs> uh, and you know we're you know you're certainly have, have been uh, back kind of in the news, I guess in a in a in a way here in Philadelphia because your son Cam is pitching for the Phillies. That is correct. They got a big series starting tonight here in Atlanta. Um, you know, trailing by two games, and it's coming down to the last six games, and this is where it's uh, where you separate, and you know, with the, the bottom line is you got to win. So he was with the Reds and the A's this year, and then he became a free agent. Did you have any influence on steering him towards Philadelphia? I did not. I stay out of his way and let him do the work. Um, you know, he uh, he's had quite a year. He's been on five different teams, if you call the, the two AAA teams in between. But, yeah, he made the team out of spring training uh, with the Reds, and uh, he was let go, picked up by Oakland. Went to Las Vegas, pitched there a little bit, uh, got called up to Oakland, was let go by them. Uh, and didn't pitch really that bad. It's just a lot of different influences involved with contract and days and stuff like that. And uh, then picked up by Philadelphia, uh, pitched in Lehigh Valley for a while. And then in September, uh, they called him up in uh, hopes to help the team uh, achieve that playoff goal in the end yeah he must be fired up to be uh you know in the middle of a, a playoff run uh do you get a chance to see him pitch much steve we did we went to lehigh valley and uh went to cincinnati we saw him pitch and we were going to go to philly but things got kind of hairy again and uh we had grandbabies coming and we ended up not going but we see him of course every night on the tube and uh you know we're with him in spirit and um, you know, he knows what he's got to do and hopefully he can contribute and all the guys can do what they do. And I know guys are tired. I know they're banged up, but this is a time of year where, 
you know, you just got to step up and uh, and gut it out and, and get after it. And he's had a nice career. Uh, I mean, did, could you see his talent early on? I did. I did. I, I'm going to, I'm going to be honest with you. I saw it early as I, I've coached all my boys. I came after I retired in 95. Um, I coached them all in high school and he's the youngest of four boys and he just had a good arm. He caught, uh, he pitched, uh, he could play anywhere and, uh, he's actually a really good catcher. And, um, you know, things started, you know, when you get to high school, you become either, uh, a pitcher only and that's what he did and then he was drafted by the angels first round uh actually the angels had three number one draft picks that year that was 2010 mm-hmm. caleb cowart out of south georgia adel georgia uh cam out of uh, coweta county here and then uh uh chevy clark chevy clark out of uh the marietta area three number one picks because i guess one was a supplement but uh three georgia kids went number one and uh cam hung in there and uh had a good career with the angels and then uh you know as as most people do move on and uh he's just trying to you know play as long as he can well steve let's talk about your career you grew up in massachusetts uh right and i'm i'm an ice hockey player growing up did you ever play ice hockey up in massachusetts i sure did uh we grew up playing on lakes shoveling off the snow and making our own uh goals and nets and uh I remember when we played so young, nobody could lift the puck yet. No one could lift it. So the goalie played on his hands and knees with just a regular stick, and he could stop anything anybody shot because nobody could lift the puck. But then as soon as we learned how to lift, boy, that, catch, that goalie got up off the ice real quick. Yeah, we, I, I remember yeah. the first kid that could lift a puck. When I was you – know, I started at Mites, and there was a kid named Stu Geisel, and we all looked at him like, oh, my God, he, this guy can actually lift the puck. We <laughs> yeah, can't. So that's yeah, great. Yeah, so, so it makes a difference. But, uh, yeah, big hockey fan, Bruins growing up. Uh, so Bobby Orr uh, and Boston all those guys. Boston Patriots, actually, when I was a kid, it was the Boston Patriots before they became New England. They played at uh, Holy Cross Field, and uh, 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 of course the Celtics were legends back then, always battling the Sixers and the Flyers and the Bruins. And uh, so, yeah, I grew up a big Boston fan and uh, played hockey, and uh, we enjoyed playing it. And, you know, we would rent ice at uh, 2, 3 in the morning. You know, you'd pay 50 bucks an hour to rent the ice at, at a local, uh, you know, hockey arena. And, uh, you know, it was a lot of fun, a lot of good memories. And, uh, of course, that was that was the end of that once baseball started getting a little bit more interesting. Well, yeah, exactly. You, you, you dropped the hockey stick for a, a, a bat and a ball. I guess uh, the Red Sox, too. I mean, uh, you know, they were so awesome there in the mid-'70s. You must have been a huge fan. I was. As a matter of fact, my hero growing up, a lot of people was Kyle Schramsky or Jim Lomborg, all great players. But my guy, for some reason, was Rico Petroselli. Hmm. I love Rico, and he could play third or short. And, um, you know, the uh, that, that team back then, when they lost to the big red machine, of course, oh. to Bob Gibson and, and that St. Louis Cardinals team, uh, we got our hearts broken quite a few times. Right, grapes crushed quite a few hmm. times. And, um, you know, they, they certainly turned it around later on, but, uh, I was glad to see Bill Butner got off the hook after that, that play at first base. He, he, yes, he did. He yeah, did. Uh, that was an guy. exciting team. You had Louis yeah. Tion, oh, yeah. right? You had Fred Lynn. I mean, that's a, that was a fun Fisk. team. Carlton Fisk. Spaceman yeah. Lee, you had yes. George Scott, Joe Foy, uh, uh, you had a great outfield with Evans, Lynn, mm. 
and Yastrzemski. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it was a lot of fun as a kid going and watching games at Fenway, you know, and field trips with the school and church and all that. We always went to Red Sox games, and it was always a thrill to get a Fenway Frank to put some Goulden's mustard on it. <laughs> and then you must have been making your way through Little League, throwing uh, you know, throwing hard, I guess. I mean, uh, you, you went to the University of New Haven, but uh, it, it, when, were you, when were you finding your groove as a player? You know what? It was a one. It was one uh, specific day. I, I went to, uh, yeah, played little league, played Babe Ruth, played Legion ball. Uh, went to um, a Northern Essex Community College in Haverhill, Mass. wasn't very good, and I made the junior college all star team in nineteen seventy eight because somebody got sick and they picked me as an alternate. Went down to McCoy Stadium in Rhode Island. And they couldn't pronounce my name, didn't know who I was. And the coach was trying to say my name, and he couldn't. He goes, you got the seventh. I picked my glove up off the bench, bolted down the bullpen, and pitched the last three innings and struck out seven out of nine with just a fastball. I never had a breaking ball. till the day I got drafted, all I threw was fastballs. And uh, that was – I got a full ride to New Haven. We went to the College World Series, drafted first pick, third round – uh, 1978. Horner was number one with the Braves. Yeah. Matt Sinatra, catch out of Hartford, was number two, and I was third. And uh, finally, you know, went through the ranks in uh, Kingsport, Tennessee, rookie ball, uh, Greenwood, South Carolina, A ball, Savannah, double A, Richmond, triple A. Matter of fact, the strike in 81, Ted yeah. Turner came down and they televised our games in Richmond, and it was kind of good to get some exposure there. But then got called up in 81 and uh, went up and uh, made the team in 82. That's when Tory came over and became the manager and uh, won the division that year and, you know, tried to hang on as long as I could. Now, I guess at some point along the way, you learned how to throw a breaking ball? <laughs> Somewhere in there, <laughs> Some a, a guy, a, a guy I went to college with, Dave Chazzo. He actually showed me there you go a slider grip, uh-huh. and um, I, I tinkered with it through the minor leagues, and it finally started clicking. And once you can throw that pitch uh, with confidence and throw it for a strike on a two zero count, three one count when they're looking gas. And you can get a guy to roll it over or pop it up or strike out. You've made a, a great stride in in uh, in pitching, and that's what happened in Double A. I remember I threw a three-one slider to a guy named Drungo Hayeswood, big old donkey home run hitter, and he rolled it over <laughs> to third double play. And that's when uh, I made you know I, I figured out I got I can I can do this. I can pitch next level, yeah. and things started happening. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Well, so you were a starter, if I'm not uh, mistaken. You were a starter with the Braves, and then when you got traded to the Phillies before the 86 season, you converted to a reliever. Was that by your choice, or was that somebody recommended that you would be you know, more suited for the bullpen? Actually, that was a Joe Torre move. Actually, I started all through minor leagues, and uh, he was the Mets manager when I first came up. 
And I guess he saw kind of on my head and he, in, uh, with, which fastball slider, it's kind of hard to go a long way with that. And, uh, some guys can do it, but I just, I just found my niche as a reliever and he's the one who actually started doing that. Hmm. And then, uh, the Phillies traded for me. I remember on my birthday, they gave me the call. Uh, we were having dinner here with Bruce Souter, my wife and, and him and his wife were had dinner together. And I got home, and it was on my answering machine that I'd been traded to the Phillies. It was Bobby Cox saying, we've traded your contract to the Phillies. Wish you luck. Thanks for everything. And then the next message, beep, was Bill Giles welcoming me to the mm. Phillies. Wow. And, uh, you know, we just, you know, your first your first trade's always kind of, oh, well, okay, well, didn't expect that. But you, you roll with it, and you go do what you got to do. Went to Philly, uh, slow start. Got traded for a very popular catcher Ozzy Virgil and um I started slow and the fans you know the fans are tough in Philly and they should be they expect good things and they showered me with booze and uh this is still April May you know and then things started warming up and I started do putting things together and 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 everything got a little bit better after that but uh yeah I was always I was a notorious slow starter in the spring and uh once it gets going though it's Good things happen. So was was Teak the closer your first year of the Phillies? Uh, no, I was. Oh, you were the, Actually, so you were the closer was, right I, away, I was right? The closer. That's right. Then Teak I was, was the closer in '86. Teak was a, a setup guy, and uh, you know we. Uh, that's right. That's right. I uh, got to play with Lefty and Schmitty, those guys, and uh, Gary Maddox and and uh, Kevin Gross and Raleigh. They were starters. Uh, uh, boy, it was a long time ago. I'm trying to recall names now. Um, uh, Charles Hudson, you remember that name? Yeah, Charles I Hudson, do, sure. Yeah, yeah. And you so had our buddy Bruce Larry Ruffin. Anderson. Larry Anderson in the bullpen. Larry Anderson, <laughs> one of the best in the game. Larry and uh, 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 some of the guys down in the bullpen. Well, Keith just had a, a great – it was great to come in behind him. You know, he was a sidewinder, could wear out right-handers. And, uh, you know, Teague did a great job in, in uh, setting me up, especially that 87 year uh, when I won the Cy Young. And then, uh, you know, obviously I traded away in 89. Yeah, Teague, you know, you think of him as the closer, but when I was kind of looking at the numbers, it's like, oh, yeah, he was your setup man. I mean, I guess you learned a lot from him uh, a little bit when, you know, him being a, a closer and then you, you know, uh, in that role. Yeah, just your approach to the game. Uh, he, he's a truly a professional. Uh, you know, he's been through those those years with the Pirates, the the uh, We Are Family Pirates, and um, I believe he tells the story too about he actually pitched. I think it was Tanner was the manager, right? Chuck yeah, Tanner, Chuck Tanner. Tanner. Yeah. put him, put him in right field, and I think he said he caught. A final out in a World Series game. Really? <laughs> if I can remember correctly, that's how the story goes. It, it, I think it was a World Series game, but he went in and uh, and then they, you know, they because because of him being a sidewinder, left-handers kind of gave him a hard time because they saw the ball so good coming down from the right side, being low, you know, that low delivery point. 
and then they would uh, bring a left-hander in to get a lefty out and bring him back in from right field to get a right-hander out. Huh. And they're just hoping that the ball back, didn't go back to right when field. You, back <laughs> when they, before they had, you had to face three guys, you know? Right, right, right. yes. Well, uh, I want to ask you, too, I mean, really, and we love talking to video, Dan, and, and the folks who knew you when you played here, uh, Steve, because it seemed to me you really were one of those bonding guys, you know, uh, you know, like to get the team together, you know, back in the day, you know, Vid was telling us about, you know, uh, just the barbecues and, uh, you know, getting guys together. He also, uh, you know, told me, um, and, and maybe you can elaborate, uh, you know, you, your first year, you, you got a group of guys together and like anybody on the team, you called them the animals, you know, and uh, do you remember? Oh, boy. <laughs> do you, but do you remember? <laughs> I mean, well, do you remember the animals? You remember doing that? I sure do. I sure do. It was just a, it was a fun time just trying to get camaraderie. It all started in spring training. We'd take bus rides to go play, visit, uh, you know, away games. And uh, just the guys singing along with each other. And I'll keep it at that, you know, just having fun and, and uh, just kind of acting crazy. Uh, kind of like they did in Boston. Remember who was the, the stupid, what do they call themselves? The, uh, uh. the idiots, right? Yeah, is that what they were in Boston? Yeah, you remember that the yeah. Red Sox? They yeah. they what call they? themselves the idiots or something. Something and like that. Yeah. Yeah, we were the animals, and we did a lot of singing and kind of, you know, just getting fired up for the games. And uh, I'm going to kill video for telling that story. <laughs> well, we have a couple more, Steve. So get ready. <laughs> well, and uh, you know, because he we we loved Harry Callis too, and I guess when you got traded, you got a chance to meet and know and love Harry. Uh, uh, I, you know, it would say he'd come into the clubhouse and say the rock, you know, uh, he did. He, <laughs> he had, he, that was a, a quite an affectionate name and I uh, got to know Harry pretty well. We had fun on the plane. Uh, we played a lot of blackjack, played a lot of cards and, uh, hooting, hooting holler on the planes. And, uh, Harry was one of the best, man. I sure do miss him. And, uh, one of the greatest people in the game. And, um, I, I, I haven't been to the, to the new Philly Stadium, but I did see on TV the other night they showed a, a close-up shot of Harry, the the statue, the statue and yeah. Uh, yeah. just a lot of great memories of Harry and and his family and the guys and uh, Wheels and Andy Musser and all those guys, you know, back in those times. And uh, of course, um, you know, we again we just we we would just have fun on the road and on the plane playing cards and and uh, you know. That's just a lot of good times, and that's what you you got to remember: is those good times with good people. I have to ask you one question, John. You're gonna because you, we have to know this. When I was talking to Video Dan, he said Harry used to always call uh, put A G E at the yep. end of our name. So uh, it was Shane Victor, and it was Shaneage, and everything was A G E with an A G E. Did you start that? Did Harry pick that up from you? Uh, you call somebody and then throw an edge at the end of it. <laughs> I have to know. I remember, I remember saying, "I'm not going to take credit <laughs> okay. if I didn't." I remember I used to do that a lot, uh, and uh, yeah, we did that. That was just one of those things the team vintage. went through. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. Harry, Harry totally picked up on it, Steve. So for years afterwards. So then we in in the office, we're always running around just putting AGE on the right. end. Of yeah, you know. Uh, so all right, yeah, you, you had to clear that up for me. All right, and yeah. Well, we I just would say you know stuff like bondage, bondage, or yeah. and he would say he would call his son Canage, you know, yeah. and uh, just just. <laughs> <laughs> just a lot of whatever came to mind, you know, yes. and I would, 
I might even pick that up at college and brought that over with me, you know, and yeah. I used to say that a lot. And uh, let's go have a drinkage, you know, or whatever. Exactly. You know, just put the A-G-E on anything you want. It there's works. No, well, look, there's no rhyme or reason, and it's kind of catchy, isn't it? It is, and we've been doing it for our yeah, whole 30-year career here at the Phillies. I mean, that, and it's like, you're the, you're the reason, I think. Yeah. That is funny. Right, that Steve, is, I thought that was long gone and forgotten. Steve, one of the legendary stories that we've heard over the years Again, I've been with the Phillies 28 years. Tom's been for 30, Two, yeah. 32. Is, uh, video told the story, and I'm going to let you say it, um, is when Lee Elia was upset that I guess you guys were on a losing streak and guys in the bullpen were, were hanging out in video's room or they were messing around in the clubhouse, and he basically said he made an ultimatum that you guys cannot be in, the, you know, in video's room. You cannot go into the uh, clubhouse. Can you, do you remember yeah. what, ha- what happened in that story? I don't. <laughs> okay, well, I'll, I'll remind you, then maybe you can pick it up. He said that Lee Ely was, was just had the, you know what, was, was, was very upset. And, yeah. And he, so he, he, he told everyone, you know, I want everyone on the bench or in the bullpen. Nobody hanging out in the clubhouse and certainly nobody hanging out in Video Dan's room because I guess, you know, he had the couch there and, you know, people could hang and out. And Steve used to go in in the second inning and spend right. a couple innings with Video Dan right. and uh, hang, hang out. out in the video room. So, sure. so you, I guess the second inning came around and you knocked on the door and Video said, video locked it and Video <laughs> said, uh, Bedrock, I can't let you in. Uh, Lee, I remember now. Yeah, Lee, Lee Elliott told me I'd get fired if I let you in. So, again, take it yeah. away. What did you do? Here's Johnny. Yeah. <laughs> so you, you came back with a an axe, correct? Yeah, that is correct. Where, where did you find the fire? Was there a fire axe hanging somewhere? Where did you get the axe? There must have been one. Maybe Bushy or Petey had one back there or something. And uh, I found it must have been a fire axe or something. Froggy or the ground crew. I might have gone to the ground crew for it. And I came back and Jack Nicholson, to me, you know, I banged on the door. And uh, and uh, he would not let us in. He was going to abide by Lee Ilya's rules. And uh, I was going to come in here and keep my routine going. And just another way to cut up and have some fun and, uh, those were those were good times, but I did. I put the here's Johnny on him, and I don't remember. Did I actually attack the door? Uh, he he said you did. Yes. And yeah, video is not one for embellishing. So. Well, he he also mentioned you came up with your own game called Mad Ball. So you opened up the door of the video room, grab a bat and a ball, and just take a swing and hit a ball into the video room, smashing uh, Mad anything. Mad Ball, that yeah. <laughs> I was bad, wasn't I? <laughs> <laughs> you got it. You know when you're... that's the way you you stay loose. Yeah, and, you stay uh, loose, we, right? Right. We terrorize video. We go in there and uh, we we go in there and eat and watch the game for a while, and and then uh, mosey down the bullpen after a while. And uh, video was a good source of, of you know, of course, watching the seat pitches and hitting and. Uh, do you guys remember the, the the David Palmer slide at third base? Yeah, taking a he, he totally took a nosedive, right? He uh, he video tripped, video tripped over his did feet. that. Yes, he did that video of him sliding where he tripped over his own yeah. foot, popped up in the air, and he you got to get him to show you sometime. It's he did it the music to Dick Van Dyke, <laughs> and uh, I remember Tony Taylor coming in there watching that, and Tony Taylor was just crying, <laughs> laughing so hard every time we'd watch it. 
you watch it 300 times and we just, we would get a kick out of Tony Taylor watching it and laughing. <laughs> and uh, video had a knack of doing great stuff like that. He's talented when it comes to video stuff. And uh, that's why he's been around the Phillies a long time because he's good at what he does. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. You know, and you talked about the year in 1987 where you won the Cy Young. I mean, the relief pitchers really didn't win the Cy Young. Mm-mm. So that must have been a, a real magical season. And, and obviously, you had a long career, and you've had you were in a you won a World Series. You're in a World Series. I mean, that's but 87's got to be a special year for you. Yeah, it was. Uh, you know, I, I never expected it. Of course, uh, relievers did not win it very much. I think Mark Davis might have won it a couple of years later. Is a a Padre or a Royal, I can't remember. And, um, you know, just like I said, I started slow that year, too. I was like one and three with almost a nine ERA at the end of May. Things weren't going good. And uh, about to roll over to June, and I remember coming in for a save, and I was getting booed. I wasn't doing the job. And uh, got I think I had a one-run lead, got a line drive hit to left field. I think either Gary Reeders or um, – Jeff Stone, I can't remember who was playing left field that day, uh, caught the ball, was hit right to him, just a bullet, ended the game. And that just seemed to per- give me some confidence and things started rolling. Uh, again, Teak was the man. He was doing his job. The stars were, were getting us uh, to the sixth, seventh, eighth. And, uh, uh, the, 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 you know, the setup guys and the relief corps were doing a great job. And I, they just put me in a position to rack up some saves. And, uh, you know, towards the end, a uh, reporter started talking about it, and I was kind of just wanted to, you know, focus on what I'm doing, keep doing the, you know, the job, you know, keep knocking down videos, door with an axe, stuff like that. <laughs> keep loose. And, and uh, you know, it, it just, come November, I got the call, and it was very close, I think closest voting ever. Rick Rushel uh, was, was right there. Shane Raleigh had 16 or 17 wins. And, um you know, got the call and I had won it and I'm, you know, very appreciative. I'm very thankful for my teammates for putting me in that position. And, uh, you know, did, did Schmitty win the MVP that year too? Did he win the MVP in uh, 87? I'm not sure. Was that 86? Uh, I'm not sure. It might have back. Yeah. It yeah, was, yeah. it was close. It was right in that same area, but he yep. was, uh, he was, uh, playing at the, at the peak of his game. And uh, it was just a pleasure to be with those guys. You know, I got to see Lefty and and uh, Schmitty play, and uh, boy, it was a real treat. You know, after you know getting to play with guys like Dale Murphy with the Braves and Phil Negro, and uh, of course went on to Minnesota in that '91 World Series, playing with Kirby Puckett. And I'm just so appreciative to play with guys like that that really, you know, knew how to play the game and and, and were at the the highest level playing that you could possibly get. And they were just good, good people too. And that's, that's what's important. You know, uh, and I guess 
your your bread and butter was the fastball. We we love Sarge. Gary Matthews is one of our favorites, and and he said that uh, it was the only time when he faced you that he never saw the ball. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> you know, and Sarge is a great hitter, but uh, you know, what do you think of today's pitchers? It seems like every guy they bring in is throwing in the mid nineties or touching a hundred. Uh, you know, you are exactly right. I'm not gonna. I'm I'm just gonna tell it like it is. Back in the day, if you were ninety five, you were a legit hard thrower. Mm. There was only a hand full of people, Lee Smith and uh, uh, no, there's others. I just can't recall them right now. But uh, now everybody's yeah, 95, 97, 100. And uh, that was unheard of back then. But guys are bigger, faster, stronger. The guys, the, the, the hitters are bigger, faster, stronger. They're staying prepared, prepared uh, year, year round. And um, uh, it's just the game's got a lot faster. Um, you know, you, everybody down in that Philly bullpen, you know, is uh, pretty much throws gas. And, um, you know, Cam used to. He used to be in the in the high 90s. He got that blood clot in his shoulder four or five years ago, and it kind of uh, took a toll. So he's had to learn adapt on the fly how to get hitters out. And uh, I admire him for doing that because a lot of guys that, you know, they'd be out of the game. And uh, when you lose your velocity, you got to figure things out quick because if you, you know, you, when you throw 97, 98, 99, not that those hitters can't turn that around, but it's a little bit more forgiving when you miss mm. than when you miss 91, 93, 94. Those guys, those guys don't miss that a whole lot. Yeah. Mm. So, you know, again, a, a lot of guys are stronger. They're throwing harder. And, um, you know, it's just the way the game's evolved. So, Steve, after the Phillies, you got traded to the Giants uh, in 89. If everyone remembers, that was the Earthquake series, right? So t- talk about that. Is that is correct. That must have been a crazy uh, yeah, I got experience. Traded, like I said, I'm sorry? No, I said that must have been a crazy experience, that whole Earthquake situation. It was. I had just signed a three-year deal with the Phillies, and uh, and, and, and we knew that if, if things didn't get going and we weren't scoring and winning games – and I was sitting down there, you know, um, you know, idle and not coming in games closing. And they said the possibility that you could be traded. And I, I accepted that. I understand that's the business of the game. And sure enough, in Philly that, that year, we, uh, we kind of struggled out of the gate and the rumor started flying. As a matter of fact, I had a sheepdog named Rumor mm-hmm. and, uh, they said Kansas City, then it was, uh, Boston, maybe, then San Fran, and it shows Colton. They come down and got me in the seventh inning of one game and said, uh, called me and said, you've been traded to the Giants. And, uh, so we headed, we headed west and, uh, went on to the, uh, uh, played with guys like Goose Gossage and Will Clark and Matt Williams, Kevin Mitchell, Robbie Thompson, uh, Terry Kennedy behind the plate, Bob Brenly, and, uh, uh, went to the World Series and faced a monster team in the Oakland A's, and uh, we got swept four straight. But game three, the earthquake hit. Uh, we were right in front of the dugout getting ready to do the anthem. The Atlanta boys were about to sing the national anthem, and we started rolling and swaying. Mm, and mm. I'm, you know, being a New England boy, I, we're not real right, familiar with earthquakes. Yeah. And I thought it was more of a shaky thing, but it's more of a rolling effect. Where, whoa, what was that? And then the chair went up. Lights went out, and uh, everybody's, everybody's kind of seeing what happened. And it was a pretty good one, too. I think 7-2 or 7-3. Yeah. And uh, then the report started coming in of the Marine on fire, and the uh, Al Rosen was our general manager. 
former MVP, and he lived in that marina district down there, and it was on fire burning, and I think he lost everything in that fire. Mm, wow. And then uh, the Bay Bridge collapsing, uh, that 880, which was the double highway, one on top of the other, it collapsed, and so we shut it down for 12 days, and we kind of had some workouts when we could, uh, helped uh, the Red Cross with people, you know, they, the, the people, the, their mind was not on baseball right then. So about 12.30, we were down 2-0, and they came back with Stewart again, and we lost game three. We never did get off the mat. We lost we lost in four, and everybody's like, let's get out of here, you know. It's, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it just wasn't a good experience, and uh, it was it was. It, it was it was something to go through. I had my family in the stands, and all the kids were underneath, and mm. the power went out, and there was gas pipes, and you know, guys were walking in the locker room to light a lighter to see what they you know what's going on, and wow. just scream and put that out because there's still right. gas lines That's everywhere, true. you know. And uh, all my family I had friends fly out from from Boston area, and they were all, you know, what was normally a 20 minute ride down to Foster City, just south of the airport, was was three hours because it was just gridlock and uh if you missed an exit it was like six hours to go one exit back back again and so they hung though all my buddies and family hung for the 12 days and and stayed for games three and four like i said we never we never got it going but it was an experience Mm. and then two years later you win the world series with the twins uh i guess this is the 30th anniversary did they do anything in minnesota to uh this year to Kind of remember that 30th anniversary? I don't know. They did. They did. And, uh, yeah, 30 years ago, 1991, we played the Braves. And uh, being a member of that Twins team, um, you know, some great players on that team. Kirby Puckett, yeah. Herbeck, Dan Gladden, uh, just a lot, a lot of good players. And um, uh, fortunate to be on that team. Uh, Rick Aguilera was the closer. It was kind of – I was kind of – uh, you know, waning years of my career, I was a setup guy or I pitched six, seventh, but, uh, got to pitch at Fenway one game and, uh, got a win there. And that was a, that was a, a kind of a high point of that year. I always, always wanted to, you know, play for the Red Sox if I could, but it didn't happen, but got to pitch in Fenway and, uh, came in and, uh, let me see, we took the lead and then I came in for another inning and I gave up a leadoff double to Ellis Burks. You remember him? Yeah, yep. sure. And, uh, I was in trouble early. Nobody out, man, on second and I stranded him and got the win. So that my only game in Fenway picked up a W and I was Beautiful. fortunate for that. Beautiful. And Minnesota's a good, uh, baseball town. I mean, when you won the World Series, I mean, the place went crazy. Yeah, sure did. It was loud in there, too. You know, they had won it in 87, not too many years before that, and very, very loud in that dome. You know, the baggy in right field and all that, and um, it was really loud, and, uh, you know, there was some controversy with the uh, play at first base with Ron Gant. There was a play over there, a pickoff, and they thought uh, Herbeck had nudged Gant to lose his balance and they called him out and you know we got through that but uh, it was a great series went seven games and uh, fortunately we we played four at home and and uh, uh, final game uh, 10 innings Jack Morris versus John Smoltz one nothing game yeah. uh, Morris goes the distance I must have warmed up eight times that game yeah, but he went to, he went 10 and then we won it uh, one nothing and certainly could have gone either way. 
Wow. Yeah, I remember that actually. Morris, he was yeah. uh, lights out. Lights out. Oh my gosh, he was studly. They we had some good stars. Kevin Tappany and uh, uh, Scott Erickson, um, Morris. Uh, probably forgetting somebody over the year, but uh, mm. yeah, it was just a good year, and uh, we had a lot of fun that year too. And uh, so then I, I, you know, I had a finger injury, and I, I, I retired in '92. I didn't play. But then it got better, and I called uh, Leo Mazzoni, my former pitching coach in the minor leagues with the Braves, and and uh, with uh, and he in turn called Bobby and John Schoholtz, and they gave me a shot at trying out for the Braves, and I went down and made the team and got three more years in in '93, four and five, and then retired in '95. And they weren't too angry uh, that you had beat them in '91 in the uh, World Series. They brought you. They brought you back. <laughs> Yeah, I, I guess not, or they wouldn't have brought me back. Huh? So, uh, you know, just, you know, they're, they're a class organization, and uh, and that was a pleasure to play with them. And, uh, you know, I came up with them, drafted by them, and, uh, again, back in 78, came through there. And uh, they just have, uh, you know, they had that run at 14 years in a row, you know, with, with those horses of uh, Maddox, cool. Glavin, yeah. Uh, Smoltz and, you know, Avery, then, uh, yeah. it could have been either Pete Smith, Steve Avery, and, uh, just, you know, just really, really good starting pitchers. I was like the low man on the totem pole in the bullpen. I was probably the last guy. So I didn't pitch, you know, but every couple of weeks I had to try and stay sharp because those guys were going yeah. seven, eight, nine every night, you know? Yeah, and, impressive. uh, they just, uh, they just rode them to, for 14 years and, uh, of course, they they won at ninety five, and uh, you know they're they're back to being good again. And this is starting tonight. It's going to be a good series, and I know the Phils and Braves will be battling again. Yeah, it's going to be a good one. It's going to be a good. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. One, John, you uh, yeah. you ready over there? Okay, so Steve, I don't know if you know this, but John uh, always administers a quiz to our guest. It's about uh, it's about okay. your life. It's, it's about your life. It's about your life. Inside chance of getting this, since uh, it involves a lot of different things of every aspect of your life. So, eight <laughs> quick questions, <Uh-oh>. multiple <laughs> choice. The bar that we set is usually you just have to get six out of eight. Um, and being that we, uh, you're being interviewed by the best friend of the fanatic, uh, Tom, I'm sure you're going to send him something fanatic related, like a fanatic hat. We'll, we'll have Debbie yeah, Nacito send it out. Yeah. Debbie, cause I'm sure Steve had a fanatic doll when he was playing here and I'm sure it's all worn out. So maybe he needs a new fanatic doll. All right. Well, let me, let me give you this story. We just had a grandbaby. Hey, and, uh, I told Debbie and Debbie had sent a fanatic doll and the coloring book. And that's his first gift oh, to the baby. That's and, some good uh, grandparenting right there, Steve. Yeah, nice work yeah. by you. Well, you know Debbie. Debbie's the best. And uh, she uh, she took care of us. And um, uh, we're just we're so proud of, of that new baby. Awesome. And go ahead. Let's go with the quiz. All right. Here we go. Number one, you went to, I'm probably going to butcher the name of it, but Methuen, Methuen High School? 
Methuen High School in Massachusetts. So which right. of which of these celebrities did not go to that high school? Which of these I'm gonna mention four celebrities. One did not go to that high school. Okay. So okay. A is Susie Castillo, Miss USA two thousand and three. Gary McLean, who everyone in Philadelphia knows, former Villanova basketball star. Soupy Sales, match game seventy six celeb, or Amanda Conway, who played professional ice hockey uh, for the Connecticut Whale. So is it Miss USA, uh, Villanova basketball star, match game 76, Soupy Sales, or a female professional ice hockey player? I'm going to go with Soupy Sales. <laughs> Soupy is Sales is correct. Uh, we, yes. always, we always have a match game 76 person on there, so yes. All right, number yeah. two. Uh, I think Tom mentioned you went to the University of New Haven. Which right. of these celebrities did not go there to the University okay. of New Haven? Uh a is actress Betty White from Golden Girls. B is Dean Lombardi, former GM of the L.A. Kings. C is Tony Sperano, who was a former head coach of the Raiders and the Dolphins. And D is former Major League Baseball pitcher and pitching coach Dave Wallace. I know it's Wallace that went there. I know he went there. I'm going to go <clears throat> with the great Betty White. <laughs> Betty White is correct. I was hoping Betty White yes. went to your uh, college. <laughs> well, you're, been, here's Johnny. Yes, you're, you're two for two. All right, your first professional team was the Greenwood Braves in 1978. Which of these people was not a teammate of that team? So you're going to way back in the time machine, which was not okay. a teammate on the Greenwood Braves? Uh, okay. Bob Porter, Mo Mason, okay. Brian Snitker, Joe Cowley. Oh, that's easy. What do you got? Double M, Mo Mason. Mo Mason. Now, Mo Mason is short for Marine Mason, who's actually a female who is our friend at CHOP here in Philadelphia. Okay. Children's Hospital. So right. she's an avid listener, so I, I figured I'd throw her name in there. But you are correct. You are three for three. You're on a roll. I, on remember, a roll. I remember those other three very well. All right. You are of Armenian descent, right? So which, right. which of these celebrities is not of Armenian descent, okay? Huh. We have Cher, okay. who's born Sherilyn Sarkeesian, Andre right. Agassi, Kim Kardashian, or Gene Simmons uh, of Kiss. Oh, that's that's. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna say easy, but it's got to be Gene Simmons. Gene Simmons is correct. Uh, he was uh, born as Heim Witz was his name. So yes, <laughs> yeah. you, you got that right. Four for four, Tom. How about that? How about Young that? Award winner. Wow. All right. Put that doll. Put that fanatic doll in the mail. <laughs> wow. Still got a little work to do. In 1987, right. you won this. As we mentioned, that NL Cy Young. Three other okay. relievers have won the Cy Young. Which, is, which one is not the Cy Young winner, okay? Was it Trevor okay. Hoffman, Mark Davis, Dennis Eckersley, Eric Gagne? Davis was. Gagne was. So then it's between Eckersley uh, and Hoffman. I, I think as many saves. Eckersley, was that my Boston Writers' Banquet when I accepted the award? And as many saves as Hoffman had... I don't think he won it. I'm going Trevor Hoffman. You are Bang. correct. Five for five. <laughs> wow. All right. Let, all right. Now you got one more to qualify for Fnag but then you really got to go undefeated at this point. Uh, question all number right. six. Uh, okay. In 1987, your big uh, year, who was yeah. second in home runs for the Phillies behind Mike Schmidt? Who was second oh in home gosh. runs for the Phillies in 1987 behind Mike Schmidt? Was it Von Hayes, Juan Samuel, Lance Parrish, or Chris James? 
Von Hayes, Juan Samuel, Lance Parrish, and Chris James. Uh, this person had 28 home runs that year. Great question. Wow. I don't think it was Parrish. Uh, Chris James had a good year. Samuel had a good year. And who was the other one? Uh, Von Hayes. Von Hayes. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Okay. I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to pick one. Yep. I don't know for sure. I'm going to go with Von Hayes. Oh, that's what Tom said. But yeah. no, it was Juan Samuel. Sammy, Sammy had 28. Oh. 28 home runs oh, for Sammy, Sammy that year. Huh? 28 wow. home runs. Wow. He was also a teammate of mine in the all-star game. He, he played second base and, uh, out in Oakland. Well, well, well. He's one of our favorite people. So, um, all right, you got you got two more. Okay. Uh, Okay. So, obviously, you won a World Series in 1991. Which teammate on the Twins that year? Yeah. Never played for the Phillies. Okay. So three of these three of these teammates played for the Phillies at one point. One did not. Hmm. Okay. So Paul Abbott, Tom Edens, David West, Mark Guthrie. You know, Guthrie's kid plays for the Phillies organization. Um, Tom Eden, I'm not sure. Um, say the other two, Eden, uh, Guthrie, Abbott, and who's the other one? And David West. David West, big lefty. Um, shoot, see you pick him again. I'm going to go David West. No, it was Mark Guthrie. It was Guthrie. Mark no. Guthrie. Oh. All right, now I'm going to give you the biggest layup for the last question. Yeah, you're going to get this one. You're going to get this one. Uh, Now, we were told that you're a big Three Stooges fan. Okay, I am. So which of these characters, uh, name the character, but it's really the real-life actor, was born in South Philly. The three other guys were born in New York. One guy was born in South Philly. In fact, there's a mural in South Philly with this guy's uh, name on it and a whole mural of him. So was it Moe, Shemp, Larry, or Curly? I don't know why Moe's standing out. I'm going to go Moe. <laughs> no, Moe and Shemp were brothers, right? Yeah, that right? yeah, yeah they were. I knew that. They were. And I think they're from Bensonhurst, uh, New York. Uh, and I think oh. Curly was also from... Uh, New York, but Larry Fine, right. Larry, Larry Fine, Fine was in South Philly. All right, I'll give you another chance because there was another Three Stooges question <laughs> I was going to ask. What is, it? is what song uh, was played when Curly boxed? Um, 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 uh, <laughs> yes, yeah, yes. You got it. You got it. Pop goes, Pop the, goes weasel. the weasel. <laughs> Tom will give it. We'll give him extra credit for that it. one. I was thinking three blind mice, but that's the that's the song, uh, the, the yeah. Stooges song. Man, that's Pop the goes one the where uh, Larry had to go running down the street to find when the radio broke. He had to go down the street and he drove the truck through the wall to play it. <laughs> Pop goes the weasel. Uh, you know, yeah. Steve. You, the next time in your you're in Philadelphia, we gotta go to the uh, you, me, video, Dan, and Brage. We'll go to the uh, Three Stooges Museum. It's located in the suburbs of Philadelphia. It's uh, about a half hour ride from the ballpark. And I've been. I would to, love that. Oh my gosh, I've been to this place. This is serious i mean there is so much memorabilia and uh it's just it's not a big museum but it's it's awesome yeah you guys you know what i should have guessed larry too i knew those other guys were brothers and i think i knew they were from new york 
but I couldn't remember. And, uh, you know, now that I say that, but yeah, uh, makes sense. Larry's from Philly. But you still won the Fanatic doll. Yeah, you got Pop Goes the Weasel. That was even more obscure. He's so, even uh, going to throw in an autographed Fanatic book for your <laughs> grandchild. Uh, you guys are the greatest. Man, it's been a pleasure. Thanks, All right, Steve. Well, Steve, thank you very much. Really appreciate it. All right, go Phils. Go All Phils. Right. All right, thanks, Steve. Bye-bye now. Bye. Well, how exciting was that, huh, John? You well, know, we uh, we were told, uh, you know, first of all, I mean, Video Dan says Steve Petrosian is by far the funniest guy who's ever played for the Phillies. And he said Crux said the same thing. If Crux said out of all the guys he's ever played with, right. Steve Petrosian. And he Petrosian, played with a bunch of characters. Yeah. Right. And it's coming from Crux that Steve Petrosian was the funniest you know, guy, you know. Well, obviously, he loved the Three Stooges, right? Yeah, so there you go. <laughs> Says it all right there. And he knows the Three Stooges. Well, he didn't know Larry Fine. I just love to, you know, that he's just one of those guys. I say bonding guys. You know, there's always a few guys who just want to get the, the, the team together, yep. you know, includes everybody, and, uh, you know, just, you know, it seems like just well, especially a closer. Guy. You great need guy. that closer to be kind of the goofy, kind of not yeah. goofy, but just, you know and what I mean? nuts, too. Not I mean, right. He sounded a little nuts. I mean. Uh, <laughs> in a fun way. Apparently, a there was a, a legendary food fight. Back in uh, the spring of '86, and the shirt and sand key uh, during spring training, that uh, you know, we forgot to ask him about it. Right. But uh, uh, you know, they had a lot of fun back in those in those years. Yes, they did. <laughs> uh, all right, so that's it, John. Yep, that's it. All right, uh, I know we're working on uh, some other guests. This is the last regular season podcast. Correct. We hope we're going to have a playoff version we podcast. Hope so. We hope so. And uh, we really thank uh, everybody for tuning in out there. Uh, and I guess we'll be back another time, right, John? That's right. All right, thanks for tuning in, everybody, and we'll uh, catch you next time on Phillies Backstage.